Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in Logos Podcast, episode number 97. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing? I'm here. We're I'm here. alive. We I'm are. Good. I'm good. We are getting this one in just right under the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, scheduling issues on top of Baby Watch 2023 for, for Austin and Emily. We are just floating this one in under the radar. So, with that said... One thing to kind of get out there. This is Wednesday. We put this out on Thursday. Takes me about two two to three hours to edit it, formulate it, get it set up, and get what? to uh, uh, you know publish. I will not be doing that. <laughs> not spending that much time. So you're going to hear a less edited version of this episode. Uh, like right there, I would normally cut out that little pause and cut out the uh. In this scenario, probably not going to do that. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So we will get rid of the coughs and any long pauses that we have, and that's probably going to be about it. Um, that's just kind of how this episode is going to go, so you're going to get kind of a more raw version of what we do, as opposed to the more edited version. So behind the scenes a little bit. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we'll just we'll call it that. We'll call it a... Get to know us a little bit. Rooted in Logos, unedited. I don't know. Unfiltered. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, so I, I had... A, teased austin with this when he got here i said oh i want to brag on myself for a second and then i was like you know what i'm gonna save it for the episode so here, here's what we're gonna do if you know me which a lot of you do and if you don't know me this will give you a little insight i am very not handy uh, i'm not a manly man when it comes to being able to do things mechanical or handy or fit like hardware i don't like going to lowe's or home depot like <laughs> i can go years without going and i'd be fine although as a homeowner i kind of have to go sometimes but i can avoid it like it's fine i don't need to do it i ask people for help on very basic things yeah two weeks about a week and a half ago cutting grass my lawnmower just takes a huge dump and it just stops working and, and i don't know what happened and i don't understand uh to the point where the the handlebars are just completely bent almost broken off like it you do? I don't I don't know. It made a weird noise. It shot a big puff of white smoke, and the thing just went, and the whole thing just bent. Anyway, when I moved in two years ago, a little over two years ago, my aunt and my uncle gave me a lawnmower, and I couldn't get it started. And I just was like, you know what? Whatever. I, I can't get it started. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to do anything. Another friend of mine bought me a new mower and I'm, as a housewarming gift. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm just going to use that. So this mower has been sitting in the shed for two years. This will be the third summer here, right? My third summer here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's been sitting in the shed since I moved in, essentially, or since the yard needed to start being cut. Pulled it out of the shed. Dumped the old gas out. Checked the oil. Put new gas in. Cranked it a few times, didn't work. Let it sit for a little bit. Cranked it a couple more times, didn't work. Went for about 30, 40 minutes. Finally, I stopped. I let it sit for about 20. Pulled it on choke, and the choke set, started up. Now we're in business. <laughs> I go, and I put it in fast. Um, like, take it from choke to fast on the throttle or yeah. whatever. It's, I don't know what it's called. I'm assuming that's right. From, from the, the turtle to the bunny? No, from choke to bunny. And then you have turtle and stop. Oh, okay. So choke, okay. bunny, turtle, stop. Okay. So I went from choke to bunny, <laughs> and it died, and it wouldn't stay stay running. So I put it back in choke. I started. I, I get the blades running, and I'm like, okay, the blades run. 
Let's just do this. So I cut the front yard in choke mode only. Okay. Slow, but it worked. Yeah. Started doing the backyard. Realized this isn't gonna be this isn't gonna be good for the backyard because backyard's growing a little taller, a little faster. Like this isn't gonna work. Stopped it. So here's where I'm gonna brag on myself a little bit. Jumped onto YouTube. Started searching why does my mower only run on choke. Found out all I gotta do is clean the carburetor. I don't know what a carburetor is. Don't know what it does, but I had to clean it. Okay. I cleaned the carburetor today. Well, hey. And it works on fast mode now. <laughs> and I cut the backyard in record time because this one's self-propelled as opposed to the other one being push. Uh, I fixed a mower today. So guys. the moral of the story is: if you have any small engine repair needs, come to Brad. <laughs> Brad will for fix a your- small fee. I will. <laughs> meticulously YouTube. go through it with a fine tooth comb and we'll find all the problems <laughs> clean it. and probably clean the carburetor and if that doesn't work well it's broken you may as well put it in the scrapyard <laughs> that's my that's my moral of that story well done. that's what was gonna happen if, well it, if it didn't work i was like i don't know what to do with this put it on the side of the road see what happens it, it would be gone <laughs> by the end gone. of the day yeah for sure so anyway that's my story i'm excited about having a mower that is functional that's always nice and I can cut my front yard. And last week, when my mower died, it died with about three strips of, of grass left in the backyard. Really annoying for someone mm. who's got just a smidgen of OCD on certain things. No. Not a lot of things. No, no. Certain things. Just a smidgen. <laughs> and I needed it to be done. Like, it was really driving me nuts that I had this one strip in my backyard that was just a jungle and then everything else. Scissors. Absolutely not. <laughs> I put together the weed eater that I hadn't used in two years. That I also got as a housewarming gift that yep. I never put together. Stayed in the box. Put it together and got it working. And Finished trimmed the, the little right. spot. with. Have I trimmed around the house? No, absolutely not. But I got that <laughs> I got that done. <laughs> the big stuff's done. Well, cool. Yeah. Very cool. That story, no one cares about except me. Um, and I don't care. My show. Our show. We do what we want. Wow. That's not what I meant. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> it's not. See, okay, in, the, in in a normal setting, that joke would be edited out because of that slip up. Too late. Now you're going to get the whole thing, it's and it's it's in there, and you're going to hear it. Now everybody knows. Now everybody knows. <laughs> so today. So Timothy, chapter five. First Timothy, chapter five. We've gone through the first four chapters. I think, how many episodes have we done on Timothy so far? Five or six? Yeah, something like five that. Five or six, something like that. Yeah. And, and so we're going to start on First Timothy chapter 5, episode number 97. Really cool. I'm excited to, to be hitting that triple digit mark. Oh, yeah. Kind of a cool milestone. <laughs> yeah, you posted on a... Uh, oh, it was a group we're both in, a podcast group on Facebook. Uh, something about, like, anybody know any... any, any yeah, what do you do? Like, yeah, what, what do you do? What What did you do for your hundredth? Do we even does, does it, do we even care? Like, right? Do we even need to celebrate it or whatever? Like, do something special, and then <laughs> yeah, I commented. I'm like, so uh, head covering episode episode 100. <laughs> the that one of the admins was like, oh, so stir up a little controversy, hey? And we're like, yeah, why not? why not? I don't think that's what we're gonna do for a hundred. I don't know, maybe, but I have a one of the comments I really liked, but I'm we'll talk about that off air. And see what happens from okay, that. Okay, cool. Anyway, First Timothy chapter 5, we will do kind of what we normally do. We will read through the chapter and then jump back to verse 1 and just work through it verse by verse. We'll see how quickly this one goes. Austin, get us started. Sure. 
Read as much as you want. Read it all. I don't care. Do what you want. It's your don't show. tempt me. It's your show. I'll start and I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, okay. All right. First one. That was a delayed reaction. I was getting into reading mode. <clears throat> Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show hospitality to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She, who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she, who is self-indulgent, is dead, even while she lives. Command these things as well, so they, ha- so they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having, rep- having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going from one house to going from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So, I would have younger women, younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Oh, is that me? Yeah, you can take Okay. <laughs> for some have already strayed after Satan... If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink water, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. You know, this may be one of the tougher chapters we've had to tackle. There's quite a bit in here. There's a lot going on. A lot of widows, a lot of things that if you just pluck out without taking in context can be can, can be seen as very weird and very just uh, almost almost hateful. 
if 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 you take it out of context, of course. Oh yeah. But there's a lot. There's a lot going on here, and I'm a little intimidated by First Timothy chapter five. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, right off the bat, verse one: Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him, as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. So, do not rebuke an older man. So, the the word here, rebuke, is, I mean, I don't want to say a harsh word, because it's not. But, but the implication here is beating down. Um, when you go to speak to... and. It just in the context here, it's not talking about a position of eldership. It's not a man who is your elder in the church, but he is an older man. And so when you are going to confront him, that that's what this is talking about. This is talking about confronting someone of sin. Okay. The, this isn't. Uh, this is not talking about just your everyday. Um, interactions interaction. with, your, with with old people. Right, yeah. <laughs> and even so, the, the word here, uh, rebuke an older man, but encourage him. Uh, the other word would be exhort. Exhortation. To exhort an older man. Um, so yeah, you're not going to go to him and fly off the handle and say, how dare you be doing X, Y, Z, and you're you're acting this way. And, and keep in mind, these are rules for the church. These are instructions given to essentially church discipline in this scenario, right? I mean, essentially, how you interact with people within the church, within a group of believers, within a fellowship, within a family unit of the church. Yeah. And so we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about here. And, and, and like you said, it is... Do not rebuke, do not beat down, do not berate, do not just destroy verbally or emotionally an older man. But encourage him as you would a father. Keep keep in mind that, that, you know, treat him like you would your father. When your father upsets you or when your father does something that he shouldn't have done. How do you go about doing that? You do it with love. You do it with encouragement. Yeah, and... And um, there's there's a lot here. Um, starting off with, okay, say you do not have a father. Say you had a father growing up, but he I mean, he really wasn't there. Uh, either just in time-wise, um, time spent with you, or just, I, I mean, you can, you can fill in the blanks there. How do you do that? How do you speak to an older man? Because you never had the father to teach you that you never had the father to to approach that way so how do you do that so give a couple examples um right off the bat i'm gonna go to john let's go john chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 it says a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as i have loved you you also are to love one another by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, pause there for a minute. As we, as Christians, are going to our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, either that be the older man, the older woman, the younger woman, the younger, the younger man, we are to do it in love. 
we are to do all things in love. And the the question arises, okay, application-wise, how, how, do, how do we do that? Um, Christ saying, everybody will know who we are by showing love to one another. I mean, especially to fellow believers. So, real quick, we'll jump to Romans chapter 12. And uh, I'm going to read verses 9 through 21. Marks of a true Christian. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this gives us a brief look at how we are to be treating people, how we're supposed to be living, how we're supposed to be loving each other. And so when you are confronting somebody, and this is talking about believers, you're, you're going to confront the older man. Um, there are copious amounts of ways to do it, but there are good and bad ways. So I am going to give us a few good examples, and then I'm going to give us a bad example. <laughs> All right, so real quick, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 19. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Okay, so we have the context here. Now we're going to go to an example. Uh, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, 
If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? All right, stopping right there. So, from from what we know through Scripture and through just historical parts, um, Paul is younger than Peter. And so he is addressing Peter as an elder. So how does he do it? He asks a question. He doesn't come straight to it. He opposes him to his face, that's what Scripture says, but he doesn't come to him and berate him. How dare you do this? And so on and so forth. No, he goes and he asks a question. He asks the question of, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? And this, this is a very respectful way to approach in your elder, to ask them a question and basically put it in front of them. Yeah. And then it is up to them to, to go for that. We're so confrontational these days, and, and this is a little bit of a side tangent, maybe, I, I don't know, but you look at even our political landscape, and you look at just the two sides shouting at each other, and the Facebook arguments, and dividing dividing of families, and, and losing of friends, and, and whatnot, there's just got to be a better way to go about these kind of conflicts and these kind of results, and I think scripture in the Bible lays out a lot of great ways to do this, right? Now, yes, you call out evil. You, you you stand up for truth and you speak truth. And, you know, I think Martin Luther said, you know, peace when possible, truth at all cost. There you go. But especially in the context of the church, we, we have enough infighting, enough arguing, enough conflict outside of the church walls where we really need to see unity and where, really, where unity is really going to start and spread is within our families and within our churches. Yeah. So when when Paul when Timothy's doing this and and Paul calls out uh, Peter, it's to preserve unity, and he does so in such a way that unity can be preserved. Yes, it's preserving truth. Yet is yes, it is making sure that we are saying we are still going to stand on truth. But within our congregation, within our church family, we are, we need to be unified, and we don't need to cause these rifts and these conflicts that are going to end up leading to church splits, end up leading to hurt feelings, people leaving the church, people walking away, and then outsiders looking at it and saying, we don't want to be a part of that. There's enough fighting going on outside in this world. We yep. don't need to jump into that world and have the same issues. Yeah. Well, and then we get, uh, so trenches on both sides, that being one, then we jump to the far other side of no one's confronting anything. Right. We are so non-confrontational that even the simplest things we can't go up to a brother and say, hey, and again, what is the point of this love? You're going to a brother and a sister in love saying, dude, I, I love you, and and I I believe what you're doing is wrong. And presenting it in a question, if it's an elder, and doing it in those ways, um, being respectful. But you still have to do it. You, you have to confront right. when confrontation is needed. And a lot of times it's needed. Um, the, this one I like, it's it's Daniel. Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. This is Daniel approaching the king. And he, he just lays it out plain and simple. He says in verse 27 of chapter 4, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. 
He just comes out and says, I mean, he's respectful. He says, let my counsel be acceptable to you, O king. And he says, quit sinning. You're, you're in sin. Right. Qu- quit. Yeah. And you will live long in the land. Your prosperity, so that your prosperity will continue. And, th- I'm, of course, we don't, I don't know, based on historical context, who's older here. But it, my guess is Daniel is older. I believe Daniel is older in this situation, but he's talking to the king. Yeah, it's still an authority level here, right? Where the king has way more authority than Daniel does in this moment. Or no, this is chapter four. So no, he could be younger. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, he's, yeah, he's talking. Either way, he's talking to someone who's who's in authority and possibly older. And, And he's doing so. He's speaking the truth, but he's doing it in a tactful way. And he's doing it with love. And he's doing it with pure motives right it's not self-serving it's not to get something out of it or it's not to cause a stir it's to help the king see the truth because the truth sets you free right exactly and that's what he wants for the king yeah and that's what he wants that's what god wants for us he wants us to be set free and how do we get set free we get set free by the truth and you know there's so many implications here we've gone a few different ways on this but I look to it like just in your in your day to day lives, in your jobs, when you're dealing with your kids, when you're dealing with your colleagues, if you're a teacher, when you're dealing with your students, like what type of truth speaking works in these scenarios? The kind way, mm-hmm. yelling at your child probably is going to get maybe some obedience out of fear or out of like I don't want that to happen again. But it's not going to get an understanding. There's going to be that rift between the two of you, right? Right. Same with your colleagues and your coworkers. If you're leading with this iron fist, they might be falling in line if you have an author- if you have authority over them. But you're doing so out of fear, out of fear of whatever repercussions are, are coming, not out of a this is truly the best way this needs to be done, or, or whatever the case is, whatever the example you want to put down. So that's biblical. That you lead by example and you lead with gentleness, you lead with truth, and you're stern when you need to be stern and harsh when you need to be harsh. Jesus turned a few tables over, if I remember right. But also you lead with gentleness and, and you lead with truth. Yeah. And you, and you do so with kindness. Everything with kindness, everything with love, out of the abundance of love that you have. And the, the presupposition here is... You are going to do this. Uh, you are going to confront your brothers and sisters. You're you're going to be doing this now. Just do it respectfully and and do it doing it, exhorting and encouraging. Don't don't rebuke them. Um, so here here is a bad example, and it it, it is Paul. So Acts chapter twenty three verses one through five. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers. I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, 
you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So, right here, what Paul is saying is true. I mean, there, there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with what he said. But it's to who he said it to, and it's probably the way he said it. Um, as soon as he finds out that it, it's Ananias the high priest, which he didn't know. It's basically, oh, forgive me, I, I did not know. Um, for And then he gives the reason. Right. The reason for why it was wrong. It, it is not good to speak of the, a ruler in this way. So it's basically, you know, forgive me, I'm sorry for doing that. Um, but when we are talking about our our elders, our, the, the older men and the older women, there is such a precedent in Scripture. I go back to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Um, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Literally in the law, it says, it talks about when a gray head enters the, the room, you stand up in honor and reverence of, of the long life that they have lived and, and everything they've been through. Um, preferably hopefully serving the Lord, but but we're to honor them. And so when speaking to an older man as a father, um, as as a as a man who has a father and but but a godly man as a father, um, it, it's a lot easier for me me to do this than it would be other people too. For me to approach my dad and there, there's something in his life which I don't, I don't have any examples. <laughs> but say he has something in his life. This is hypothetical, right? Be like, hey, Dad, um, got a quick question for you. Um, what, what do you, what do you think about this? And and bringing it to him as a question, and kind, and the way I would do it is kind of like uh, the prophet Nathan came to, I believe it's Nathan. I have to double check. Came to King David. David. Yeah, yeah, that's Nathan. And he said, "Hey, what do you think should happen if this happens? If a, a man came and stole this person's sheep that only had one, meanwhile he had a whole bunch, and he was going to sacrifice it." And David's like, "I'd kill the man right now, right away, straight to jail." <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan's like, "You're the man. You're that guy." And David's like. Oh man, that's what I would do. I would pose it in a question so that hope, God willing, you know, it, it's able to make that realization known. Right. And it's not me going to my father and saying, Dad, you're in sin. You're in sin, you wretched sinner, you. And <laughs> you're doing this and this and this. And yeah, that's well, not the good way to do and it. And the language that Paul's using here, encourage him as you would a father. He is obviously talking to people who know the law. Right. Right. And so he's talking to people who understand the Ten Commandments, one of them being honor your father and mother, for this is the only one with the promise. This is the only one that comes with the promise. Right? That's who he's talking to. And so he's using language, encourage him as you would a father, to let his readers know, let Timothy know, and, and those who read this letter and those who Timothy communicates this message with, lets them know you need to do this with respect. The same respect you would have for your father. Because in that culture, in that in that 
you know, that, that, mm, <laughs> am I going to edit that out? I don't know. Just <laughs> do it. Just do it. <laughs> in that culture, in that time, that was such a huge thing. Family, familial respect was so much more important than we do here, than we, than we make it here in the West, especially in America, right? We don't respect our families in America. We don't respect our parents in America no. the way we should. But in the Jewish culture, especially back in that day, that was a huge thing. And so Paul using this language to Timothy is very strong. He knows that they are going to understand this message, why it is so important to treat them as you would a father. You need to respect them. Respect your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Honor the elderly, the older men, not elderly necessarily. Honor the older men within your church the way you would honor your father and mother, especially when confronting them about an issue within the, within their lives or within the church. Yeah. Well, and again, the presupposition here is um, you're addressing a sin in someone's life. You best make sure that you are clean of whatever you're addressing. Um, directly back to Matthew 7, verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in my own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, before you go to address sin, you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, one, is there any unconfessed sin that I have? Please forgive me. Then, too, if you know of anything, you confess, repent, and, and take care of it right then. <laughs> I mean, just a practical example of this is is a pastor who, or even a youth pastor, who, who talks to his students about the dangers of pornography and the dangers of mm. of sexual immorality outside of marriage and, and that sort of thing. And all the while, he's Doing wrapped it. up in porn himself. Yeah. If I'm listening to a pastor, and he, he talks to me about just the evils of alcohol. And it's it's the worst thing in the world. You shouldn't do it. He's not making a biblical case, don't get me wrong, but like he's he's going about this and he's very passionate and you believe him and you're like, "Okay, he has this conviction. I respect that." And then you happen to see him at a bar with a glass of bourbon or a beer or or taking shots. He's lost a lot of credibility. Yep. Right? And so that's what's happening here as well when you are confronting these people within your church, older people or, or, or younger men as brothers, older women as mothers. You better believe that your credibility needs to be in, in line as well, yeah. right? If you're telling this man, okay, I know you're struggling with a porn addiction. This really needs to stop. And all the while, you're over here wrapped up in your own addiction to pornography. Yep. You lose a little bit of credibility there, and you're not doing very much respect there because you're saying, yeah. you need to stop doing this. Meanwhile, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I'd even put it to, okay, say we talk about <clears throat> substance abuse, talking about alcoholism. You are talking to your congregation or you're talking to, say, not even a pastor. You're talking to somebody, you know, saying that this is bad. You, you shouldn't be doing that. Praying for them. You're confronting them, whatever. But yet you're over here and you're addicted to sweets. You're addicted to um, some type of food, uh, donuts, whatever it may be. You are having to have it every day. How can you justify talking to someone else about their alcoholism or talking to them about their heroin addiction, but yet you're over here 
doing whatever you're doing, eating donuts, whatever. Yeah. For me, it's the same thing. It's it's the exact same thing. It's self-control. It's a dependency. It's a lack yeah. of self-control on both sides. That is, you have a log in your eye, and you're talking to your brother or sister about the dust in their eye. You, you need to get rid of whatever is holding you in subjection to itself. Get rid of that. Start practicing self-control. Take the log out. And then you can go to your brother and sister and say, look... I understand what you're going through. Not maybe not as much as drugs or whatever it may be, but uh, I've you know I've dealt with soda or I've dealt with um, candy, donuts, whatever it may be. And I, and, I think that's a good example. And that as well. that also, I mean, that's that's the definition of gluttony, right? Is having yeah. an, a dependence and an addiction on something that is not of God, and you're making food your idol. Yeah, and. I don't know where how we ended up down this rabbit hole, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that is that is so valid. It is it is not respectful. It is not. It is it is definitely against the 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 tone of this verse and the tone of this warning to be to be dealing with blatant sin in your life and yet still confronting somebody else right. about theirs, and not even like I'm talking about dealing with blatant sin, unrepentant yes. sin. Not that you struggle. Look. We all have sin that we struggle with. Most of us have the same sin we struggle with over and over again, right? Because we're creatures of habit. What we're wired certain ways. It, it is what it, Austin may struggle with one thing. I don't struggle with that, but I struggle with something completely different, yep. right? And he doesn't struggle with what I struggle with. Yeah. But it's a struggle. Yeah. It's not just a habitual repetition, unrepentant log in your eye. Right. It is... Boy, I'm still wrestling with this. I have not been fully delivered of this yet. I may right. never be fully delivered to this this side of heaven. Right. But I'm still struggling, and I'm repenting, and I'm still trying to get better. And, and by the grace of God, I am getting better. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, an old analogy I heard from my, one of my old Sunday school teachers who said, you know, you're on a construction site, you're, you're nailing uh, a nail with a hammer, and you smack your thumb, and you say, you let a curse word fly. And someone looks at you and goes, well, man, I thought you were a Christian. Why would you say that? And you're like, okay, but you should have heard me two weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, maybe this word slipped out here in the midst of that moment. But my goodness, I've come a long way by the grace of God. Yeah. Right? And it, it, I'm, I'm still going to struggle. I'm still yeah. going to have these moments. But it is not what it was two weeks ago or a month ago or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and your response is, but you're right. Please forgive me. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm trying to do yeah. better. Well, and okay, yeah, the point. Why are we talking about this? That went so it, far the other direction. <laughs> but but it, it's applicable. Applicable. Yeah. It is confronting. We're not talking about confrontation. We are not to be confrontational people, but there's a difference between confronting something and being confrontational. I mean, literally, we just went through that with qualifications. You are not to be confrontational, but we are to confront when the need arises. And so... When we are doing this, here's a couple things. Like Brad was saying, living in sin. Okay, say you have two brothers, uh, brothers in Christ, brother and sister in Christ, whatever. They are both living in sin, but they are different sins. One is living in you know, sexual sin with pornography, versus the other one is living uh, in. I'm trying to think of something else off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> Kicking puppies. Kick, wow, okay. Is that living in sin? Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you're habitually kicking puppies, I say that's sinful. Okay. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Anyway, the premise being 
they are living in sin, both of them, but both of them are different sins. So you have one brother who notices the pornography or whatever, and so he addresses it. Well, it's null and void. There, it Even if it's a different sin, he's still living in sin, and therefore it is a, a log. It doesn't necessarily have to be right. the same sin. Out of, yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, now we go back to Paul where he says, you know, I do the things that I do not want to do, and the things I do want to do, I don't do. Going back to, as Christians, we're still going to sin. Um, the the thing is, we're not going to be living in sin. We're not going to be seeing something and knowing it's wrong, but being like, I don't really care. I'm just going to keep on doing it. Without any conviction. Without, without any, any conviction. Yeah. yeah. No, you repent and it's done. Um, so so this is where it it takes place of you see a brother who is living in that sin and as another brother or sister you are not living in sin. Again, you are going to the foot of the cross every week. Whenever you're taking communion, you are reflecting and asking the Lord to forgive you and confess and repent, so on and so forth. You're able to then go into that person with a clean conscience and say, look, my my brother in Christ, um, I love you. And that is why, because I love you, that is why I'm coming before you and saying, what you're doing is wrong. And here's scripture, back it up. And God willing, you are able to win your brother. You're able to win him. Just what it said in Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And that's the point. It's going to him saying you love him, addressing it. Meanwhile, in in deep prayer and fear of the Lord and... Hopefully he he recognizes that and says you're right. I I need to go to, to God. I need to repent and I, I need I need to fix this, and be like, well, you can't fix it. Only God can fix it. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you've gained a brother. So, so bringing this all the way back, circling it back to circling verse one. It back, verse one. <laughs> Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Now, in all purity, I think, really drives home the point that we've been talking about in in verse 1. I yep. think it really does drive that home. I think it implies everything that we have said up until this point, where make sure you have no unrepentant sin. You don't have anything hindering that communication between you and God. And you don't have anything that is glaring and and habitual and like i said just unrepentant that to me is is where we're going with this in all purity mm-hmm. making sure you're doing this a as someone with a clear conscience like austin said and also with someone with pure motives right like you don't have an ulterior motive here it's this isn't a gotcha moment this isn't a oh i showed you ha 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 i got you i think of uh you know austin did a parks and rec reference with the street to jail um I do. I can do one with the Jones. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, that's not what this is. This is not a gotcha moment. You are going in it with pure intentions, with a clear conscience, and you're saying, "Look, I'm doing this because I care." Mm-hmm. And as an old with an with an older man, you're going to him and saying, "As a as, as an older man, you're okay. As as an older man, you're doing it with respect. You're doing it as you would do it with a father, as you would treat your father." 
because again, back in this time, that's how they related respect. It was yeah. all about respect with the, with her family. Yeah. Family yeah. was so huge and so important. And then as a younger man, as brothers, you can go to him as an equal. Yeah. Right? You can go to him obviously out of love, out of respect as an individual, but they're they're equals. You guys are on the same playing field. You're on the same level. It'd be like Austin coming to me. Yes, I'm a little bit older than Austin, but I wouldn't consider myself an elder to Austin, right? I do have more gray hair than you do, but... <laughs> so you could approach me as a brother, but I have to approach you as an elder. Oh, ah. <laughs> What if uh, anyway. anyway, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's we can come to each other as equals. Yeah. And, and there's not this aura of respect that has to be added into this. It's a all right, this I and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm reading this wrong, please tell me. I almost look at this and I see younger men as brothers. You can be a little more blunt. Oh yeah. You can be a little more straightforward, a little less kind of trying to pull the confession out of him right as you would was an older older man being respectful and kind of tactful and gentle as as a brother it's what 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 do brothers do to each other they beat each other up right they they call each other fart faces right like don't call your brother fart face that feels sinful i don't know but like but i mean (laughs) there's more bluntness there there's a little more we can be a little more aggressive in this moment of like dude you need yeah. to get your act together. Dude, quit being stupid. Right, yeah. yeah. It's the no, 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 dummy, like, that yeah. Paul uses from time to time. Yeah. When he's like, may it never be, or no, yeah. no, no, no. Your brother in Christ is about to go to the drive-in movie theater with a young girl, and they're going to be there for two movies in a row by themselves until, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. No, dude. You're 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 dumb. You're being. You are dumb. setting yourself a fa- Do uh, not do that. Yeah. You are being dumb. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's approaching a brother as an equal, but in humility. Of course. In all humility, and and I think there that's it. The same principle of the speck and the dust applies right. in here in yep. this moment. That that doesn't get taken away. The the doing it out of love and kindness doesn't get taken away from that. But there's a there's a different approach you can take in this moment. It is a little more blunt. A little more like. Dude. Yeah. Come on. Oh yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. As opposed to doing that to an older older man or older yep. woman, because older women as mothers. Yep. Again, eliciting that respect, that response of this is someone I need to honor. Yeah. This is someone I need to respect. I'm not gonna just pile on and rebuke and attack. I'm gonna do this more tactfully, more gently, as opposed to Women, younger women as sisters. You can be a little more sisters with each other, women with each other. Be a little more upfront. Not upfront's not the right word because that indicates dishonesty. A little more forward, maybe right. A little more aggressive. Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and let me put it in a way that hopefully this makes a lot more sense too. Of okay, as Christians, we are warriors of Christ, right? I mean, we we see through. Uh, Ephesians 6 talking about the armor of God. We are in a war. Don't you know we're at war? We've talked about that at at length. And the purpose of this is approaching the older man, the older woman, approaching the younger man, the younger woman. You're approaching your fellow brothers and sisters who are on the front line with you. And what you're doing is you're standing in a line fighting the enemy and, you know, God willing, you're able to do this at a time of a respite. You're, you're 
able to rest at this point and you're able to look next to you and see they're sitting on the floor. They're they're sitting on the floor not holding any of the, not holding their shield or their sword and their their helmets off. Or okay, say they're standing but their helmets off. You're looking at your fellow brother and saying, "Hey, um your your helmet's off." There could be a straight arrow that flies through and smacks you right in the eye. You got to put that on. And and when you're talking to a brother, you can do it with more urgency, being like, "Dude, what the heck are you doing? Put put your your helmet on. You're going to get hit with an arrow." Versus you're talking to an older man as a father and say, "Hey, dad, your helmet's off." There was actually historically wise, okay, uh, back in twelve seventeen, uh, the Battle of Lincoln, uh, Sir William Marshall, the, known as the greatest knight. I've never heard of any of these words. Sorry. Love, okay. Sorry. No, it's, this is awesome. I've Major history heard. buff moment. Okay. So the Battle of Lincoln, uh, there was an old knight by the name of William Marshall, and he was in his 70s. He was astride a horse, and he was about to whip the, he was whipping the men up in a frenzy and getting them to charge the front lines. And he was so worked up, he's, he's giving his men a speech and he's saying, let's go. And, and he's about to ride off into battle without his helmet on. And an esquire says, sir, sir, your helmet's not on. And he's like, oh, puts his helmet on and charge. And he goes. Yeah. And it, th- that's it. You're looking at your, your dad and saying, dad, you don't have a helmet on. And hopefully that realization is, oh, you're right. I don't. Thunk. Right. And then you're looking down the line and you're seeing those taking the knee. You're seeing those who have dropped the sword. And what you're doing is you're saying, Guys, pick up your sword, pick up your shield, put back on your breastplate. This is not the time to rest. We got to get ready for battle. And what disqualifies you is you're sitting on the ground, your armor's off, your your sword's in the sand, and you're saying, hey guys, you might want to pick up your sword. <laughs> Literally, what's the point? Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Why don't you stand in front of me and, and fight for me too? It's like, well, no, yeah. you're disqualifying yourself. Yeah. That's a great illustration because it does. It, it You would approach that commander, that older knight, a lot differently than your fellow brother who's right next to you about mm. to go into battle with you. I mean, you see any war movie, they're not talking gently to each other, no, right? Not. They are hollering, yelling, screaming. In context of the movies, probably cussing at each other, but yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, like... You smack them behind the head. Smack them behind the head say... Stop being an idiot. Let's go. We got to go. We got to get this moving. And so, yeah, that's a great illustration for what this is. And I I truly think that is kind of the message Paul's conveying here. Yeah. Is, all right, we need to confront sin. We need to confront these issues, especially within the church, because that disqualifies us from a lot of things and makes us look terrible to the world. Yeah. Right? Which, granted, we're always going to have issues of hypocrisy within the church because we're human, but the world should see a difference still. And yeah. when we start to get to a point where the world isn't seeing a difference, that's when we got to call these things out. Yeah. Right? And we got to start saying something. And there's just a different approach that takes place when it comes to older men, older women, younger men, and younger women. Right. The approach is different. I think that we could boil this whole conversation down to that. Yes. The approach is a little bit different when it comes to older men, older women. And you're doing it all in love. Because what's the other side of what we were just talking about? You're, you're truly trying to help your fellow brother, you're trying to, in helping your brother and sister in Christ, you're strengthening the line. Versus the other side of 
you're walking up and down the line being like, oh, oh, your visor's up. You might want to put that down. It's not going to look good on, expect- and on, on inspection. Or if, there, was, there was even um, an episode in uh, Band of Brothers. It was during the Battle of... Uh, oh, my goodness. With all the snow. What is that? Oh, my Bad, goodness. I can't Battle believe I forgot it. The Bulge. Battle of the Bulge. Battle yes. Bulge. And... Uh, he, he was the commander there and whenever the fighting would stop, he would just walk around and he'd, you know, see what everyone's doing and critique everything. And then he'd disappear and the fighting would begin again. And then when it stopped, he'd come back and nobody would know where he disappeared. But whenever he came back, it was to criticize and to show what everyone was doing wrong. Okay. If you're doing that, you're in sin. You're in sin. One, you probably got a log in your eye. And two, you are addressing people for the wrong reasons. Right. But if you are truly because it is for the war effort, it's for the fight, and it's because you love your brother and sister, then you're doing it rightly. Justly. That's exactly right. So real quick, we're at about an hour. Two verses. Oh, man. Within about an hour. I love it. And I look at verse three, and I see that verse three, like, legitimately goes all the way to about verse 16. Yeah. So I think we should stop. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good stopping point. I want to address one thing. And Austin doesn't know that I'm going to say this, and I want Austin's feedback on this real quick. Okay. I had a conversation with somebody the other day uh, about why we care about some of the issues that we talk about on this podcast and just as conservatives when it comes to politics and as Christians, when it comes to religion, why we talk about certain things. And one of the things that came up was this transgender issue. And this, this ended up being a conversation I had in Chicago with a coworker during one of our dinners or even after dinner, we were just hanging out and having a beer. Like we were just talking about different things. He saw my, he actually saw my bracelet and I said, Oh, what's that um, on your bracelet there? And I, Talked to him about the podcast, and we started talking about different things. And so one of the questions that was brought up is, and I've heard this multiple times from multiple people in different platforms, why do you care what a grown man does in the privacy of his own home when it comes to transgender issues or, or with his life as an adult? And to be honest with you, I don't. Like, that's between him and God. I, I think we speak truth. I think we... But if, if, a, if a man wants to dress up as a woman, that's between him and God, and we need to figure that... He needs to figure that out. But why do we talk about it? Here's why. One, there is such a deeper ulterior motive to a lot of this stuff with the, with the, the sexualization of our kids and the transgender issues and these drag shows that the kids are allowed to go to and, and performing for kids. That's an issue. And I think a lot of people, even the people that are all pro live and let live, transgender this, transgender that, sexual this, sexual that, I think... On a lot of levels, they would agree that these kids don't need to be exposed to that, right? Yeah. So there's that. And I think that's one that most, not all, unfortunately, people would agree on. But it goes to this basic point. Matt Walsh has the, the documentary, What is a Woman? And in that documentary, he legitimately, the entire movie is asking, what is a woman? Trying to have someone coherently define the word woman who believes in this man can be women on a deep level. Man can be women, women can be men, so on and so forth. So why do we care? We care because the truth is being attacked. Do I care again what you do in the privacy of your own home? I mean, yes, I, I grieve for you and I want you to be come to faith in Christ. 
absolutely I care on that level. But ultimately, what you do doesn't necessarily affect what I do, and that's fine, and you're not hurting my kids or my family or your whatever. That's fine. That's you and God, right? I care about the truth. Yeah. I care about the fact that we can no longer define the word woman. We cannot say with certainty what a woman is in, the, in our culture today. We can. I can. Yeah. I know what a woman is. I think Austin does. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. But we can't. And, and it, they are attacking our basic biological truth. Yeah. And that is what bothers me more than anything else about this whole debate. And so I get asked, why do you care? Why do you talk about that? Why do you care about 1 Timothy chapter 5? Why do you care about talking to someone about their sin? Why do you care about confronting people within the church about sin? Why do you care about church discipline? Why do you care about what so-and-so is doing? Because I care about the truth. The truth has to win. Yeah. The truth will win. But on a cultural level, the truth has got to win. Someone's got to stand up and talk about truth. True things. Yeah. What is a woman? A woman is a adult human female with different body parts than adult human males. What? They can have babies. Men cannot. Wait a minute. I'm just saying. I want the right to be able to have a baby. Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. I don't know why I went on that tangent. I just It's been bugging me because that yeah. question was asked of like, why do you care so much? Why would I vote for somebody based on this issue? Because I care about truth. I want the truth to prevail. And when we, ha- when we as a society have decided we don't know what a woman is, we don't know what truth is anymore. That is basic. That is what you're taught in elementary health class, the differences between boys and girls. Yeah. Kids see, just from playing on the playground, the differences between boy and girls. Don't have to worry about what's underneath their clothing. They see the difference. Kids know the difference between male, girls and boys. Yeah. Because of just being around them in a playground or being around them at school or being around them at church. Yeah. They know there's a difference. Why do we all of a sudden not know a difference anymore as a culture? I was going to say, you sure you want my, my take on this I, one? I want your take on this. Okay. I go a step further. I do care about what you do in the bedroom. Why? Because God does. And so... Right, right. And I know we're on the same page You know what I'm too. saying, right. though, right? Like, well, it's what, not a... What I take it from is this. Okay. Why are we so far down the drain that we are now? Why are we even talking about children being able to switch what gender they are? The reason being is because going back to when all of the homosexual stuff started to arise... Christians said, well, what you do in your bedroom doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Or what you do in your bedroom, as long as you don't put it in my face, I don't care what you do. I, I believe that was a very, very wrong stance to take. Okay. And the, the reason being is because... We've gone to this point. Exactly. It <laughs> yeah. was, ah, la, 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 I don't see, don't, I don't want to hear, I don't, I don't want to see anything... And therefore, the flame just kicked on, and look where we are now. That is the reason why we are here now. No, that makes sense. And and the thing is, Christ is at the right hand of the Father. God has given him everything on earth. Everything has been put into subjection to the Son. And we, as Christians, are supposed to be taking dominion of this whole earth. And... 
as we're doing that, fulfilling the Great Commission. And so as we fulfill the Great Commission, we are able to look at what God likes and what he doesn't like. And what he does not like is men having sinful acts with other men, women having sinful acts with other women. And he, what he wants is a man and a woman in covenant relationship with him. And I, I firmly believe as Christians, we are to take all this back. And so that's why I speak out like this, yeah. because these are the things that are true and good and pure and honest, and God wants these things, so therefore I want these things. I guess I actually agree with you 100%, and it may sound like I'm contradicting myself in No, that. no, no. Because I think where my mind goes is you can't legislate morality. Right. You can't, but you can legislate immorality. And, and Unless we are a Christian nation. Right. <laughs> a true Christian yeah. nation. And, and I, I do, I have libertarian tendencies of like, you know what? I don't agree with you. I, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is what is best for you. I don't think this is what God designed. I, I, right. I know this is not how God designed this to be. I understand that. Also, I can't force you to change. Right. And and so I think that's more where I come from, other than just the turn a blind eye and just ignore it. Right. I don't I don't want to do that because again I do want to speak out for the truth. Yeah. You know I I do not believe that. First of all, the government in marriage that's a whole different conversation. But like I I don't believe that gay marriage should be the law of the land. I don't believe that right. because I, I I believe that is just completely a slap in the face to God and what he abomination uh, what what he designed. So no, I I do not believe that. I think, I think there's a story in the Bible um, of fire coming down from heaven and consuming a city or An two. Entire um, yeah, that that kind of spat in the face of God when it comes to these sort of issues. To the point where you go there and archaeologists have found sulfur that is the purest in the world. If you find sulfur anywhere else in the world, it's yellow. You go to where Sodom and Gomorrah were, it's pure white. Yeah. Never in all of creation on earth will you ever find white sulfur. Why? Because that's from heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, I am on board with that. I, I, I don't... I, I think my issue is is I can't force you to change, and so what you do is what you do. But when you start bringing it into the schools, when you start bringing it into, you know some churches that that allow these people to come mm -hmm. in and and perform for for children when you start having your leaders your your elected leaders and elected officials from their you know their throne isn't the right word cuz we don't have kings here but from their positions of authority they act like it they do act like it yeah. but from their positions of authority they start saying things like women can be men men can be women right Men, biological men should be allowed to compete against biological women in sporting events, and they start saying that out loud and start pushing that agenda into law and into our everyday lives. Yeah, that to me is where that line is really crossed. Right, right, because now you're starting to now you're starting to blur the lines of truth. Yeah, and you're starting to say truth isn't truth anymore, and truth has always been relative to these people. I understand that, yeah. but which, by the way, is an absolute statement. <laughs> Different conversation, though. The logic there is so flawed. Yeah. But again, that's why I stand up, and that's why I talk about this stuff. That's why we have episodes on Exposing Evil. That's why we talk about 
different headlines, which we haven't done one of those episodes in a while. Maybe we will at some point soon. But we get into the headlines and we start looking at some of the cultural issues of yeah. the day. And and we're we're in this midst of modesty and immodesty, and that's why we talk about stuff like that. Yeah. That's why we do walkthroughs of these chapters in these books, and we talk about these hard issues. I mean, just wait until we get to First Corinthians. Was it thirteen about homosexuality? Right? Is that First Corinthians thirteen? Maybe. Maybe mm, eleven, twelve, somewhere in that range. Wait till we get to that chapter. Somewhere in Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> but but honestly, though, we are doing this and and. and we're going to wrap it up because, again, I don't want to edit all of this. <laughs> I've got a couple more yeah. segments. So, yeah, keep going. Okay. So, but that is why we do this because we care. That's why we care about these issues because we care about truth. Once you start denying basic biological truth, the most basic, simple things, everything else is fair game. Yeah. You have our. Transportation secretary or secretary of transportation who claims that car wrecks or cars are racist now, right? right. Because car accidents disproportionately affect minorities over white people, and I I, cars hate black people. It's cars are like you start blurring these lines of gender, something that simple. Now cars are racist. Yeah, math is racist. Yeah. Things that are so ordered and so like math is ordered. Math is is, God I think, a it. very godly thing when you do it. When you look at it from that perspective, it is so much order. Yeah. God is a god of order, and yet now all of a sudden math is not. Math is relative. Right. Mm, two plus two can be five, and it's racist. And and the, these guys look it up. That's what some of these people say. It's true. Some of these people say these things. That is why we care. Because, again, like Austin said, he kind of put it in there a little bit of, like, we turn a blind eye and we're just like, oh, ho-hum, ho-hum, it's not affecting me, whatever. That's how we get to the point where men can be women and women can be men. Because yes. we don't speak yes. up for the truth. There was a UN study or article or something the United Nations put out that, and I want you to go read it. I, I think, um, what's our guy? Um Dale Trump. Partridge. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think Dale Partridge put it out there. It's where I saw it and I went and read it. Uh, that basically cause, calls for the decriminalization of sex between adults and minors. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. That is a thing that is happening, people. And, and again, if Christians are not standing up now, it will be it in will the next happen. 10 years. It will absolutely yeah. happen. And, and again... It's because we start allowing these things to creep in and just say, well, it is live and let live. And I have an element of live and let live in me. But when it starts bleeding into legislation, it starts bleeding into the church, it starts bleeding into, again, a culture that cannot define the simple term woman, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. That line has been crossed, and that's why I care. And that's why when that question was, was asked to me over the week, over last week, I said, here is why I care because the truth is under attack. Basic truth is under attack. So again, and I think this is where I get back to on the surface, if you are a dude and you want to dress up as a woman in your house, whatever. Like that is, again, I understand. I care in a sense of I want you to, I want you in heaven. I want you with me when we, when this world ends, I want to see you there. So I care on that level and I care on the level because God does care about that. But on the level of like, what, dude, whatever. that You and God need to deal with that. I'm going to speak truth to you. I'm going to love you. You and God need to deal with that concept. Right. 
that issue in your life. Yeah. But when it starts bleeding into this, okay, now we're starting to not know what a woman is, that's where I have a problem. Yeah. And that line has been crossed, and that's why I care. That's why I do this. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I know we're running so late, but I, I got I to gotta, I gotta say it. So having a Christian nation, okay, what does that look like? What Applicably, what does that look like? And for me, what that is, is you are saying, no, this is a Christian nation. Um, we are no longer allowed. And it, and okay, let me preface this too, because <laughs> coming from the side of, I truly believe, I truly believed in the the American, you know, uh, freedom of religion. You you believe whatever you want. Well, that's not actually in the Constitution. It, it is, this is a Christian nation. Christian. This is not, you come and do and practice whatever you want and then turn the rest of the country that way. No. This is a Christian nation or it used to be. It isn't no it is no longer. No, it is a pagan not. nation. Yeah, for we sure. have Christians here and there scattered. It's like five, maybe 5%. Now if you look at the numbers they they'll say it's like 50%. But no, true Christians like true ch- children of God it's like 2 to 5%. So what does it look like? It looks like hey, hey, by the way, a statement that will get you in a lot of hot water. But a statement that I believe is factual. That it's only uh, yeah. two to five. Yeah, exactly. True Christian, true Christians, Bible believing believers in Christ, yep. two to five percent. There are more true Christians out in Africa. Yeah. Oh, wow. true Christians yeah, yeah, yeah. out in Africa. Absolutely. It's like 30 and China? To fi- thirty to fifty percent. China? Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh man. Oh, this is probably this should probably be its own episode. Anyway, but no. <laughs> like I I now now I firmly believe, no, this is a Christian nation. As in, yeah, we're not going back to what Catholicism did. We're going to a country, we're going to take it over and say, if you don't accept Christianity, there are going to be bad things happening. No, what it looks like is we have Christians who are governors, who are mayors, who are presidents, who are congressmen, that we have completely taken over every segment of the country. And when... A Muslim group comes into town and says, hey, we want to build a mosque. The answer is no. That might sound awful to you. Why? Well, because as Christians, we truly do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So, yeah, we're not looking at them and saying, oh, no, you pagans, get out of here, chase them out of town. No, it's saying, hey, we love you guys. No, no, you, you cannot bring a mosque into our town. We will not sell you land to build a mosque in our town. That no, we're not allowing this. We we it's because we love you guys, and we want to we want to share Jesus with you. Jesus is the way. I mean, what happened? Muhammad when, is not the way. What happened when Israel allowed pagan gods in their land? Right. I mean, it, it was an act of open rebellion. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> even you saying this, I'm, I'm like, man. Boy, that's harsh. That's a lot. It is a lot. I, I again, I have very libertarian leniencies yep. when it comes to po- political stuff. Like I'm very much do whatever you want. I don't right. really care. But Christianity, but Christianity is not libertarian. Is not like that. It's not exactly. And, and and you know, again, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah. And and what it is is we are taking a stance and we are not backing down. And we. We are in such a precarious situation because we have to regain ground that has been lost over the past 70 years. And it is hard. We have to take back the homosexual fight. But first, got to figure out the transgender fight first before we get to the homosexual (laughs) fight. 
We have so much ground to to get, but having the eschatology I do, I have immense hope. And I I am preparing my children. I'm I'm preparing the next generation God willing to have a better foothold than what I do because God love them. My my grandparents didn't do it. My grandparents lost ground. And we are losing ground. We are my losing, generation's losing ground. Yeah. <laughs> but us you and me, we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're we're standing. We're fighting. We are taking a <clears throat> biblical all of it as a view. We are not being a biblical minimalist. We are saying no. We believe in all of Scripture. We believe it is the infallible Word of God, and we're going to stand on every ounce of it. That is from Genesis to Revelation. That is from men and women. You're a man. You're a woman. If you want to be married, it is a covenant relationship with God. And we are standing with every single aspect. In our apologetics episodes, the way we put it was that, think of it as, again, a nation. You are, scripture is a nation with castles and fortresses scattered everywhere. And you have a capital. The capital is Christ. The capital is Christ is the son of God. He died, he resurrected, he is ascended at the right hand of the Father. That is the capital. That is the core belief. We get into secondary, tertiary, fourth issues. For me, those are castles and fortresses throughout the entire country. What happens when you only stick to the primary? That is the capital. Well, you say, hey, I'm leaving this castle here. You can have it. Hey, I'm leaving this fortress (laughs) You, can, you yeah. can have it. I don't care. Men and women can be whatever they want. La, la, la. I don't want to look at it. Uh, the Marriage is no longer a covenant relationship. You can have that too. And therefore, you're giving up all these fortresses until you're at your capital and you're surrounded. And that's it. If, if you had said, even, even four to five years ago, you had said, and people did say this. I, I'm not sure I necessarily thought it or, or really paid a lot of attention on this level because... We, I wasn't doing this and wasn't as invested as I am now. But if you had said four to five years ago, and pe- like I said, people did, you're Matt Walsh, you're Ben Shapiro's, that there would be a push to normalize pedophilia and decriminalize that, you would be laughed out of town. Yep. Like, there's no way. Yep. That's not happening. And then what happens? You start to slowly see these words coming out. Map, minor attractive person. Don't call them pedophiles anymore. Call them minor attractive people. It's an affliction. It's it's a It's a... It's a mental illness, kind of like bipolar or whatever. Okay, okay, you know what? Maybe it is a mental illness. It probably is, actually. But It's sin. It's sin, right? It's wrong. Yeah. We don't need to treat it as we treat depression, okay? Depression, yeah, we need to look at that in in counseling and and biblical counseling being the right way. You can go to scripture for that. Yeah, biblical counseling being the right way and the proper way to deal with depression. But, yes, depression is not sinful in and of itself, right? Pedophilia is sinful in and of itself. Through and through. Through <laughs> right? and through. From start to finish. Yeah. And and but when five years ago when you say that, you're think people laugh at you, go, ha, no, no, that's dumb. We're not trying to normalize that. We just want women to or men to dress up as women and perform. Yeah. That's all we want. That's all we care about. Okay. Explain the article that the UN put out the other day. Explain that. Five years ago, you said I was stupid for saying that pedophilia is going to be normalized or they're trying to normalize it. You said I was stupid. Read that article. Yep. Am I? Do you still, Christian, do you still think we're dumb? Do you still think we're overreacting? Do you still think we're being, what's the word, sensationalist or, or, or you know, 
just over exaggerating things and what do you really do you think that now oh yeah no it's never gonna happen in america that's not gonna be a thing okay okay keep thinking that and we will keep losing ground yes because it is going to happen i mean the bible is very clear that that there is nothing off limits to our depravity our depravity knows no bounds. Right will be wrong, and wrong will be right. Why? Uh, I've said this so many times on this podcast. Why do you think there is a chapter on what not to do with your sheep? Yes. Right? Like, why do we have to address that? Yes, that is common sense on all realms. It is common sense, for the most part, unless you have an, an issue, that bestiality is not a thing. We should not be engaging in that. It is, it is, it is illegal, right? Like, yeah. it's actually laws against it. Why are there laws against it? Because people did it. Yep. Because it happened. Yep. So am yeah. I? Am I sitting here saying right now we're trying to normalize bestiality? No. Do I think? Am I saying that at the moment? No, I don't think. I don't see a push for that right now. There I is. I don't. There is a push there for that. There is a push. Oh, I haven't seen that. Well, look at all the the people that want to marry their pets. Heck, look at the people who have successfully married trees. Okay, fair. I. It's it's there. It is, it, it is there, and it's it is there. But there's not there's not a push to normalize it that I can see from a big right. from a big level. Not like pedophilia. not like pedophilia. Yeah. But like you sit there and say, "Oh, Brad, no, it's not going to happen." Okay, pedophilia is kind of becoming a thing it is. where people are trying to push and normalize it. I I don't know if that happens in my lifetime, but I'd be willing to bet Austin in your kid's lifetime that it might happen if yeah. we don't stop. If we don't stop it, yeah. If we don't nip it in the bud, yeah. But we're not gonna nip in the bud. At least, at least there's no indication we're going to. We're gonna. It's gonna be too late. By the right. time a lot of people realize this is happening, it's gonna be too late. Yeah. And I, I pray and I hope that that doesn't happen. Another so, reason why Christian, we're doing this. Wake up! This yeah. is happening. Go back and listen to our episode on exposing evil. Uh, earmuffs for kids for right. a second. Yeah. In that episode, we talk about a camp in Kentucky, conservative, red, deep red Kentucky, teaching. Six-year-olds how to masturbate. Yeah. And pleasure and, themselves. And that's everywhere, though. Yeah. In deep red Kentucky, that's happening. You really don't think that's happening out in L.A.? <laughs> out in California? Every street corner. Out, <laughs> out in Oregon, out in the West Coast, out you know, in New York. and uh, Absolutely it is. Yeah. It is. They, your, these adults are teaching your children about these things. There is a push to normalize pedophilia. Yeah. Period. Look at the UN report. That is why we do this. That's why we care. Again, you're a man. You wear a dress. Whatever. Figure that out. (laughs) But you start pushing this on us. You start making it to where we can't define terms and and, and, and sexualizing our kids. and and That's where we need to take a stand. Take a stand. Start speaking the truth. Grab your kid, dislocate their shoulder, and stop them from running out into, tra- running out into traffic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what this is. This is a moment, a pivotal moment. And that's why this conversation got me all riled up <laughs> when I was in Chicago. was like, I care because our truth is under attack. Basic truth. Yeah. When basic truth goes away, when you can't define simple terms, everything else is open and fair game. Exactly. Including minor attracted people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... I want to leave us with this. Proverbs, there is hope, by the way. There is hope. There is hope. <laughs> God dog it out. We this, when I said when I said we were done, it was fifty five minutes. We are at an hour and 
22 of recording time. We should probably cut it. Because of my, it's my fault. And we should put that whole back half on Patreon. Just a thought. Yeah, just a thought. Anyway, so I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave us with this. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discords among brothers. So let that sink in for a little bit. But kind of a shot back to Timothy. Sowing discord among brothers. When you are approaching a brother, sister, elder brother, elder sister in Christ, you are to do it with all gentleness. Galatians 6.1, it says, if you see a brother in, in a transgression, you restore them in a spirit of gentleness and with love. So, it is why unity is so important. Yeah. It is why First Timothy five is so important when we're doing this, when we're confronting our ch- each other. We're doing it because we need to be unified because we're fighting. We're in a battle against that nonsense that we just talked about for the last twenty minutes. Yes. Like that's why we care about First Timothy chapter five. That's why we spent an hour on two verses of First Timothy chapter five. Yeah. Because we need to be united. We need to not be fighting against each other, not be having these gotcha moments where we take pleasure in someone else's downfall. Yeah. Especially our believers and our our father. I, look, I would take pleasure in Biden's downfall, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Politically at least. <laughs> that whole side. Just, yeah, just all of them. But but no, like legitimately within the church, within our our brothers and sisters in Christ, true believers, true people who need to be united under the umbrella of 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 Christ and making disciples. We need to be united. Mm-hmm. When there is sin that is tearing us apart, we need to do so in love. We need to rebuke it in love. We need to confront it in love and kindness so that we stay unified. And a unified body can fight the crap that is coming at us from the other side. Exactly. And that's where to tie a big bow on this and to wrap <laughs> it all up and to pretend that I planned it this way. <laughs> that is why... This matters. Yes. And that is why this chapter matters. And that is why those first two verses matter. Thank you guys for listening. Jump on patreon.com slash logos. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you haven't done so. Follow us on Facebook. We're up over 100 followers on Facebook, which is kind of incredible. Very cool. Love you guys. Thank you all so much for doing so. Uh, keep watch on our social media for updates on our 100th episode. I have a couple ideas. I'm going to swing by Austin. Hopefully, in the next couple days, we will maybe throw something out to get some participation in that episode. We're excited to get to that milestone. And, I mean, just the numbers have been consistent. Last month was our third best month we've ever had when it comes to downloads and listens. So thank you guys. That is so cool. That is really encouraging. Because honestly, at times I get a little discouraged by how many people listen at times. Even though I shouldn't, I still do. Yeah. So thank you guys. Check us out on all social medias. Give us a five-star review. We'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay Stay rooted. rooted. Also, we may not see you next week, depending on Austin and Emily's baby. baby. So God willing, we have a baby by next week. Yeah, God willing, we have a baby by next week. So we can... uh, (laughs) You know, we might have to take a week off, but we'll let you know. We'll check our social media for that. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week.